Hey, you're listening to Tech Talks with Lou and I'm Lou Temlett. I hope you're having a good day and I'm really thankful for you listening. So this is Tech Talks with Lou, the show in which I discuss the top tech secrets for success from the best in today's digital world. Last time I spoke with Sasha Celestial One, co-founder of Olio, the number one food sharing app. We spoke about being a successful female founder in the tech sector, friendship and reducing food waste being the number one solution to fighting climate change. If you haven't already listened, head back after this episode and let me know what you think. My guest today has two decades in communications and is passionate about championing and supporting startup and growing businesses. I'd like to welcome Gemma Casey to my podcast. Hi Gemma, how are you? Hi Lou, I'm really well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really um, intrigued to have our conversation, partly from a position of being on uh, the NatWest Business Accelerator and being part of the community um, in the Southwest region, um, and the fact that you're an ecosystems manager for Wales, and we've our paths have crossed um, a number of times in the national uh, kind of webinars and and hosted events. They have, but, yeah. Um, I kind of want to understand what brought you to the position that you're in today, um, as well as being a podcast host yourself. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so it's been a bit of a, a squiggly career path, Lou. It hasn't um, exactly been linear, but my background is in journalism. So when I was a child um, and a teenager, my dream was to be a journalist. It was the only thing I wanted to do. Um, and I really think that that was um, basically a result of uh, just really loving reading the local newspaper every day. Um, and also I grew up as part of a really close-knit community. So I I grew up in the South Wales Valleys um, in a small town. My dad had a shop in the town uh, and as a teenager I would work in the shop in the school holidays and um, I loved the fact that we knew everyone and everybody knew us and there was that real community spirit and, and for me journalism kind of embodied that and it was a way of being part of a community and helping the community to tell their stories. Um, so I pursued that as my career path and I started my career in journalism in 1999 so giving away my age for anyone that wants to do the sums uh, um, uh, so I started on one of the local newspapers the South Wales Argus which is based in Newport in South Wales um, and you know 99 doesn't sound that long ago does it really but you know when I look back from a tech point of view it was a uh, you know hundreds of years ago from a tech sense <laughs> Completely. So, yeah I mean I started off as um, a local reporter and um, we relied uh, for incoming um, information via press release on faxes yeah. we had no emails on our computers we had no internet access um, we had one internet computer in the corner of the newsroom and we had to book time on it to look anything up. Um, so I know it's just unthinkable, isn't it? So, you know, as a result, my training in journalism was a million miles away from the work that any of us do today. Um But it was a fantastic training ground in journalism um, in its truest sense, in that you learned really quickly how to build relationships. You learned to be a part of your community. Um, 
you learned really valuable communication skills um, and above all you learned to build relationships of trust uh, so you know part of my job was literally to fill the pages of the newspaper obviously um, and I mean I remember several times when I moved to uh, one of our regional offices in Blackwood a small town in the valleys and we'd have to have a front page every day because newspapers do uh, and we would literally go out and walk the high street and talk to people and 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 hit the phones and get on the phones to community leaders and whatever until we found that uh you know front page news the breaking news of the day yeah. so totally different to how things work now we would then file our stories using dial-up broadband um remember that and if yeah. we were out and about we would ring the office and we employed copy takers and we would dictate the stories and they would type them type them in over the phone so 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 different to how we operate today yeah. um, and a few years later then I was part of a pilot when I worked for the press association um, where we a few of us were selected to have the first camera phones and this was oh very exciting I know because <laughs> it meant that we no longer had to um, try and book one of the staff photographers for every single job we were looking yes. to see if the journalists could handle the photo side of things themselves the, the problem was that those first camera phones the shutter speed was so slow so yes. you know unless you could persuade someone to pose for absolutely ages then you weren't really going to get a good shot and if you if you're trying to grab a photo of someone coming out of court or whatever it um it wasn't very successful um yeah. so you know things things have moved on but that's how it was yeah so I kind of want to go back and, and reminisce a little bit about you know sat, sat in an office and having to book time on a on a computer I remember some of my work experience you know I absolutely loved the communication and being able to talk to people probably why I've ended up being a podcaster today after all these years um, you know just getting my voice out there but um, you know the joy and the passion of of having that communication but the the absolute block um, of being able to digitize and, and communicate and kind of get the the press out there um, you know even I remember sat in the journalist's office you probably remember this too but um, you know cutting out the lines and sticking them on um, the paper so it was yeah. really you know it wasn't even typeset completely mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know it was proofed with the the, the cutouts um, can you imagine that printing out words today and then sticking them on a piece of paper and then having them proofed and then you know just the whole process is so yeah. was so lengthy yeah um, I think you know people don't you know some of us don't appreciate and and know that that's how life was mm -hmm. um, and not that long ago then. Lou as well no. <laughs> you know we're not talking about generations ago we're talking about half a career ago <laughs> Yes, exactly. Um, when this was absolutely the norm. Yeah. And then I went on to work for the BBC and slightly before my time, but certainly only just before um, radio reporters would literally slice up their recordings with uh, with a razor blade and then yes. stick them together with sticky tape. And that was the editing process. So, yeah, yeah very low tech. <laughs> I'm, I'm so pleased that we, we have, a, have had an influx of technology and growth in in that sector you know where would we be today uh things actually life may be a lot slower um anyway i'm sure there are mm. there are benefits and uh you know not so many benefits one way or another but uh. absolutely yeah <laughs> um so i kind of want to um 
move on to understand before we kind of jump back to to tech but understand the the core values that you picked up around journalism and you know how they feel how you feel they um support um small businesses that you that you support today Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because, as I say, it well, it has been sort of on paper a very squiggly career path. But um, but when I start to dig a bit deeper, it it does feel like sort of a natural progression in the sense when I moved to the BBC, I eventually specialised in business journalism, and again, I link that back to growing up with my dad having a small business and and growing up in that environment, and therefore feeling very passionate about supporting small businesses. So. Um, for me, everything that's that's happened since uh, doing the business journalism is is the marrying of two passions, the journalism and the support for small business. I think that those two things are mutually beneficial because, um, as you mentioned at the very start, I currently work for NatWest as the ecosystem manager for Wales, which essentially sees me looking after our enterprise support programmes across Wales. And NatWest has got um, a host of fully funded uh, enterprise support programs which are accessible to anyone whether or not they bank with us the flagship one being the accelerator program that you mentioned you're a part of which is our six-month program of support for growth and scale businesses and those um when I'm dealing with small businesses whether it's on accelerator or at a much earlier stage um, on uh, one of our business builder workshops which is our uh, support for startup and pre-startup there, there are various common themes um, that uh, basically come down to um, good communication yeah. uh, collaboration and connection and all of those things are absolutely uh, front and center of good journalism as well so as I said at the very start um, it was that having a sense of a community and being able to tell the stories of that community that attracted me to journalism in the first place um, and when I'm working with small businesses these are common themes that I see time and time again so um, on the accelerator program for example as you know Lou um, we have a six month program and a cohort goes through that program together. And really quickly, we see those small businesses gel as a community, as a network, yes. or even as a tribe, as, as I sometimes call it. And even though that accelerator comes with other fantastic benefits like business coaching, and workshops, um, and access to our networks, for me, the magic happens in that community. So it's yes, the absolutely. people. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this. It's the people that you meet and you can connect with. And it's the ability to say, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? Or yeah. has anybody been through this before? Um, does anyone know where I can access support on this? It's the that community and collaboration that is um, really, really uh, powerful. And as I say, that's where the magic happens. Yes. And some of those skills are skills that people like me can help business owners to develop. So very often I will be talking with would-be business owners, with someone who has got a dream to set up their business and wants to run a business, has got a business idea. And they essentially the thing that they're lacking is confidence. Yeah. Now that confidence piece often comes down to the stories we're telling ourselves in our head um, you know, I'm not good enough. It can, it'll never work. I haven't got time. I haven't got money. I can't take that risk. They're the stories we're telling ourselves. 
And if we can change that narrative, then we are halfway towards uh, making a success of what we're trying to do. And then when we have got a business, the absolutely crucial thing is being able to tell the story about that business. I want to go back to the narrative and the story, because ultimately that is the the main concept of journalism. But bringing tech into play, um, you know, we talk about um, phone cameras. And I remember speaking with um, Jeremy Inson, who's a sports journalist who went out to the World Cup. And, you know, they've got um, people on the ground with mobile phones and live streaming straight from the pitch. But um, what makes bringing all of those elements, the copywriting, the, you know, the capturing images, the story, the narrative, how does that, including with tech, this is kind of a a thick sandwich right now, um, support small businesses? So what I always tell small businesses that I'm working with is that you have to be able to articulate really clearly and concisely what it is you do as as a starting point okay so I I bet we've all been in a situation where somebody has tried to tell us what it is they do and it just goes over our head and we don't really understand um now as a business owner you never know when you're talking to someone who could be valuable to your business so what I say is is a, a, a very as the you know the most basic um part of storytelling is you have to be able to articulate what it is you do wherever you are so we work hard on the accelerator as you will know to help you to develop your perfect 60 second pitch now that word can very often lead a business person to run a mile because when i say pitch everybody immediately pictures dragon's den and and yeah you absolutely need a good pitch when you're in front of investors but that's not the only time so what i always say is you might be if you're a parent for example you might be standing in the playground and somebody says what does your business do or you might be at a party or you might be at a networking event or something more business focused but the minute somebody says what is it you do you that is your golden opportunity to get across your point and your story so you have to be able to distill it and get it across succinctly so that that's point number one and that is storytelling um, so that's the, the the very basic, as I say. Then we can build on that. So there are so many ways that you can use storytelling as a marketing tool for the business. So social media is the, the obvious um, platform for telling stories about your business. And, you know, the, this is no longer um, the... the 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 sole preserve of people like me who've been trained to tell stories okay every business person can learn to do this but as as you alluded to in your question there are some golden rules um around it um again i think it comes down to confidence so it's really important that um when someone has a business that that they um empower themselves to feel confident to talk about their business and themselves um but crucially then um a business can use those tools of social media um, and those tech platforms to tell their story um so the tech is there we know the tech is there there are umpteen platforms that a small business can access um very often free of charge you then need to marry up that those tech platforms with good communication skills um storytelling skills all of these can be learned, um, confidence, 
And then really importantly, authenticity. So I think that is the thing that is sometimes lacking um, when we see sort of business stories. You know, we know that people buy from people and we want to get a sense of the the people behind the business or or if not that the the brand personality and um, that needs to be authentic and that needs to come across you're listening to tech talks with lou and i'm lou tamlett and today i'm talking with Gemma casey natwest ecosystem manager for wales and host of inspiring women wales podcast so Gemma, you mentioned lots of factors storytelling technology in terms of social media and most importantly, authenticity. Um, Now, this obviously links back to your um, early days in journalism and bringing to the the fore an authentic, true story. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, you started talking about how important that is for businesses, but maybe you can share more. It's one thing to be able to put material out there, um, but it's another to tell a story effectively. And so there's various elements um, to that. Um, You know, it's not as simple as just creating posts and sticking them on social media. We all know that, you know, in order to to have impact, we need to be doing it effectively. Um, So we... As small businesses, first of all, we need to um, build up our audience. So you need to know who your target audience is. And when you're talking about um, relating to them on social media platforms, you need to know where they are likely to be as well. So just like anybody listening to this with a business will know that their target audience is not everyone because no one's target audience is everybody. Um, And just as they will have gone through a piece of work to drill down into who their target audience is for their product or service, the next step then is to know where that target audience is interacting on social media. So which platforms, um, via which sort of mediums um, and what even down to sort of what times of day these people are likely to be engaging um, is really important. Um, The good news is, though, that this isn't about um, sort of social media posting taking over your life you can really easily repurpose content so you can create a piece of content for one platform um, and use the the same piece of content repurposed in another way so for example um, if I were to create um, a very short video piece for one platform I could easily then turn the same content into a blog for another platform so you're not um, necessarily reinventing the wheel all the time yeah Um, The other thing is to engage with other people's content. So it's amazing how often I speak to small business owners who aren't present on those platforms themselves. Um, By the way, there's nothing wrong with outsourcing this. So if it isn't a skill or if this is something where somebody thinks, I absolutely hate the idea of doing this, um, this is my worst nightmare, there's nothing wrong with outsourcing it to someone who does know how to talk in in your tone of voice. Yeah. But the you need to be consistent you need to be engaging with other people's content as well and all of that adds up to authenticity um to uh, really coming across in the way that that represents your brand in the way that you want it to And you're right, you know, the reason that um, local newspapers, local radio stations and so on have have always worked is that they are the authentic voice of a local community. Yeah. Um, And social media does democratise that. It brings that to the masses. But that's not without its uh, its risks as well, I think. 
Yes. And one of the concepts that we spoke about before we started recording was the concept of citizen journalism. Now, maybe you can explain a little more. Yeah, so citizen journalism, uh, I guess, um, was first being talked about um, maybe in the sort of 2010, around that time, I suppose, was when it was um, a fairly new concept. Um, And I started working with citizen journalism when I moved on from the BBC and I went to work for a a university uh, and I was running a pilot project in what we would now know as hyperlocal media. So uh, media from a very small geographic area. Looking back now, I would say that project was ahead of its time. Um, and, and one of the uh, reasons I say that is that we didn't he- even have the term hyperlocal media then. So we were we were calling it micro broadcasting. So it yeah. was a pilot in micro broadcasting. And what that basically meant was that we were looking to see whether having um, an online TV channel for a very small geographic area in South Wales would actually um, help with community cohesion and also help to support local businesses. Um, That project went through many iterations. One of the key challenges to broadcast into such a small area um, is obviously having enough content generated. Uh, And so one of the solutions we looked at was citizen journalism. And basically what that means is empowering um, normal members of the public, your average citizen, uh, empowering them to create content. So before smartphones, before, you know, any of the technology that we now take for granted, um, as you mentioned, you know, journalism was um, the preserve of professional journalists, although it's not a profession, it's a trade, but... So, you know, you would have journalists and then you would have consumers of news. Citizen journalism was the concept that actually anybody could do this stuff and they could tell their own stories and the stories of their community around them. Now, really interestingly, what we did on my project, which was called 3V TV, which stood for Three Valleys TV, um, was we worked with a, um, a social enterprise based in Salford called People's Voice Media, um, who were working on citizen journalism. And we worked with them because we were a university. We accredited their courses. Uh, and so the, the, the crux of this was that they were upskilling citizens in how to create content. So they were giving them technical skills because remember these smartphones and wherever they were brand new, you know, they were they were new bits of kit. Um, but we were also upskilling them and giving them some journalistic background and standards. So not the kind of rigorous exams that journalists on national newspapers would go through or whatever, yeah. not that kind of thing, but just your general um, upskilling in how to tell a good story, what makes yeah. a good story, how do you frame it, and that kind of thing. And for me, when I look back at that, what we were really doing by giving them that training is we were helping them to build their authenticity and to build trust with their audiences because suddenly they weren't just sticking any old content up online it was curated content it was content that had some standards behind it um and what that project sought to do as well I mentioned that we were there to support local businesses and we actually were able to give small businesses who had zero marketing budget because these were, you know, generally sort of high street businesses in valley towns who some some months were struggling to keep afloat, you know. Um, 
they didn't have a marketing budget. They couldn't take out an ad in the local paper, let alone have a film made. And we were able to do that either um, uh, subsidized or at very, very low cost. And because of the technological advances and because of the skills people in their community were learning, they were having um, professional films made, short films that, that could be then uploaded onto websites, social media. Some of them did have some TV screens in the premises that they could show these films sort of on a loop. And we were encouraging businesses around the time around the town to show each other's films as well. So yeah. the idea being that, you know, they would cross promote. But again, he was bringing together all these things of community cohesion and community spirit, um, advances in tech, but those skills you know those core skills and those core values that added the quality to the tech that was there to support it yes i think one of the the key things about working in any industry um you know and i speak with many of my podcast guests is about having those core skills and the core values and then layering up the the technology on top of that you know the the intuition the the thinking the values almost have to come first um, you know, you get a very different result if you're then, you know, given given tools and technology. You kind of have to reverse engineer the the core of everything, and then does that output, whether it's you know photography or um, news reports or articles that um, somebody writes, does that then still have the the integrity and the authenticity? around any of that and I think you know that's one of the great values that um, the accelerator program really brings to the forefront is bringing those values through and actually finding uh, finding and connecting with businesses that have something to say um, something really kind of deep and and uh, you know thoughtful and uh, you know from that perspective. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think as well, um, the key thing there is you mentioned sort of what we might consider softer skills coming first and then technology layer, layering on top. And another thing that we're always keen to uh, teach, for want of a better word, on the accelerator program um, is not to be afraid of those things that are new to you. So, you know, for me, I've I, I had to learn how to use a camera phone. And then at the BBC, I had to learn how to use a proper professional camera and editing software um, and so on and so forth. And those things didn't and don't come naturally to me. Um, yes. I um, There is a, a fabulous phrase by um, a renowned journalist where he describes himself as an inky dinosaur. And for me, that that is me through and through because I started in newspapers. My heart is really in newspapers. Uh, I am an inky dinosaur. So if I you ask me, <laughs> ask me to do anything with tech and I kind of go, oh, I'm a bit scared of that. Um, however, what we always say on the accelerator is that's okay. You can can choose to learn or you can choose to bring somebody into the business with those skills yes. train a member of staff or outsource so yes. you know I think very often I speak to business owners who get overwhelmed because you know they are a cake maker for the sake of argument and they yes. don't want to have to do the photography or the videos because that's not their passion that's fine it'll yes. be somebody else's and to your point that is the beauty of a program like accelerator there will be somebody there who loves it can do it or knows someone who can yes absolutely and it's about building that community and I think you know uh, 
I, I spoke with um, Sasha Celestial One, who is the co-founder of Olio, and that's very much about, you know, getting to know people in your community. Yes, it's a food sharing app, but it's bringing the authenticity of community back in, into the present day. And I think that's something that we've lost, you know, whether it's a business community or a, a kind of neighborhood and a kind of local area community. It's so important. Um to feel complete and fulfilled yes we can we can ultimately continue on our own and think that we're doing a great job and continue knowing we're doing a great job and and get lots of feedback but actually doing that with many other people around that have you know same or even very different viewpoints is just enhances the whole the whole thing so um yeah <laughs> I, I absolutely agree you know and it's ironic isn't it that on the one hand we're talking about everything that tech has enabled so you know it has empowered us to tell our own stories um in a personal sense and in a business sense but at the same time it's also isolated us as well because yeah. there is no need to go to that networking event you can do it online or or you know there if you want to learn all these skills then you don't have to engage with anyone else you can do it all yourself which is very isolating um yeah. at the same time so uh so yeah it's kind of two sides of the same coin I think isn't it you're listening to Tech Talks with Lou and I'm Lou Temlett and today I'm talking with Gemma Casey NatWest Ecosystem Manager for Wales and host of Inspiring Women Wales podcast so Gemma uh, we're both podcasters and I'd like to hear a bit more about your your journey with podcasting Mm, yeah so uh I mean the brilliant thing about podcasting is that you know it 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 is just there for everybody to be able to tell their stories now isn't it um which in a short space of time is a massive leap forward so my podcast inspiring women wales um which is produced in collaboration with the university of south wales uh, really came about as a result of the findings of the Rose Review of Female Entrepreneurship, which was a report written in 2019 by NatWest's CEO, Alison Rose. And it looked at the barriers that, that face women when they're starting and growing a business. And one of the key points that the report found is that women who were interviewed said that there was a lack of relatable role models. So one of the reasons that women weren't starting or growing businesses um, as much as men is that they yeah. just didn't see women like them doing the same yeah. thing. So you and I know, Lou, that there are plenty of women out there who start and grow amazing businesses, but for a variety of reasons, they tend to go under the radar. So um because uh, technology has enabled us to do this, it was so easy for me to set up this podcast series where in each episode I interview a different female founder from a business in Wales and we just spend 20 minutes talking about their journey. We talk about, you know, how they got started, why, um, the challenges and the um, uh, sticking points that they've had along the way, as well as the high points and what they get out of it. And really importantly, we talk about their top tips and takeaways as well. Yeah. Um, so we've got 12 episodes live at the moment. Um, we're on Apple, Spotify and YouTube. Um, and you know, we've we've spoken to women who run everything from um, uh, a business that she describes as a trip advisor for dogs yeah. um, right through to a source manufacturing company. These women, they are there. But as I say, their stories generally go under the radar. Um, so 
with Inspiring Women Wales, um, I've aimed to kind of plug that gap and give women who are thinking about starting or maybe running a business but don't know where to go next, give them some inspiration um, yeah. and give them some hope, really, that, you know, other women who look and sound like them do do this. So they are very inspiring, but they they don't necessarily feel out of reach and out of touch. Yes. And that was yeah. the point um, of, of the podcast, really. Um, but I guess from a tech point of view you know that the wonderful thing is that even 10 years ago um uh you know i would have had to be commissioned by the bbc or or some similar broadcaster to tell those stories so for a short time when i was at the bbc i worked in um our development department where we looked at bringing on new ideas and commissioning them and so on and you know it it, it's it's a really even then it was such a competitive process it was really really difficult to get a program commissioned um podcasts have democratized that essentially so so yes of course the bbc and other broadcasters still commission amazing series but now there are opportunities for other people to tell their stories via podcasts and as we know lou you know very minimal um outlay on the equipment that you need um very little training and experience as well um and you can get a podcast out there which is uh which is absolutely fantastic um again though you know i still really cling to the belief that having um, great storytelling behind it and telling authentic stories is key. Um, Absolutely. I do worry slightly about the propensity for um, fake news and so on um, on social media platforms. Um, You know, we know it's an issue. We know it's increasingly going to be an issue in the future. You know, there are um, some terrifying technological advances, um, like the ability for people to create deep fakes and so on, which which are really frightening um, for people's trust in the media. Um, For me, I think it is down to all of us to upskill, particularly our young people um, and our children, to always question what they're seeing and hearing in a way that we probably didn't have to when we were growing up because everything we were consuming was going past a regulator. (laughs) Well, I I kind of agree with you on that. But um, I, I started learning Photoshop from kind of very early teenage years. So I knew, um, you know, photos weren't legitimate or could potentially not be legitimate. Interesting. So, so mm. for me, that's been, I question everything. Yeah. You know, I think you're you're right in suggesting that actually, you know, to ask questions, to check the authenticity um, and to really see that, uh, you know, what you're reading or what you're producing is aligned with your kind of business values uh, and the integrity of you as an individual, or your business in community. Mm, absolutely yeah and you know the the fantastic thing about the te- these tech developments is the tools are there to help you to tell your story when you're ready to Gemma um I, I want to know what's coming up for you um and how people can get hold of you or even if they're interested um apply for a place on the accelerator program Yes. So uh, the Accelerator program uh, runs twice a year because it's a six month program of support. Um, and uh, you can find out more about it by searching uh, NatWest Accelerator. Um, 
if we aren't open for applications um, at the time that you do your search, then you will be able to register your interest to be contacted when we are open for applications. So the accelerator is absolutely perfect for anybody who has an existing business, which is looking to grow over the next year. And we are there to really help you to accelerate that business growth. Um, it is sector agnostic. It's completely fully funded. Um, it's available to you wherever in the UK you are. We do have 14 co-working spaces around the UK and you can choose to be based at any of those or indeed you can access Accelerator virtually if none of those hubs is within reach for you. And, so, and if you've got any questions on the virtual then that's something that I'm part of in this particular cohort so um, ah, I'm finding it right. very very helpful. Oh, that's great. That's great feedback. Thank you, Lou. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, please do uh, have a little search for Accelerator if that sounds of interest. Um, uh, if anybody does want to reach out to me, then I'm happy to share my email address, um, which is Gemma with a G, Gemma.casey, at natwest.com. Um, or please do uh, follow me on LinkedIn. Um, we do run a host of free events as well for SMEs, which are always free um, and are open to anybody to attend, whether or not you bank with us. So if you do uh, follow me on social media, then you will see um, those events as well. I'll add all of these links and Gemma's uh, email address to the show notes. So if you're in any doubt, um, yeah, just head over to the show notes and they will be there. So what is coming up for you, Gemma, as Ecosystem Manager for Wales? Well, uh, I suppose 2023 um, is uh, looking like an exciting year in terms of activity in Wales. Um, we are very lucky in Wales that we are a very well connected ecosystem. So working with a lot of partners um, on various events to support our SME community. So we are doing a lot of work, particularly around supporting women in business and ethnic minority businesses. Um, we know from NatWest research on both of those communities that both um, uh, struggle with higher than usual barriers to entry when it comes to starting and scaling businesses. So we are doing a lot of work to support those um, uh, communities in particular to, to overcome those hurdles and make sure that they can start and scale at an equitable rate um, to other members of the community. We're also doing a lot to support businesses with um, their climate goals um, and supporting SMEs with carbon reduction. We are hearing that because um, uh, times are tough at the moment, a lot of SMEs are putting carbon reduction on the back burner and seeing it as a problem for another day. Uh, but we know from some more NatWest research, um, which is called the Springboard to Sustainable Recovery, that actually between 55% and 75% of SMEs, if they were to take climate action now, they would actually see uh, a business growth as a result of it. So so yes. this, it's not just about it being the right thing to do. It can actually make business sense. So we are actively going to be supporting SMEs with that as well. And of course, we can't shy away from the fact that there is a cost of trading crisis at the moment. So we do have work in the pipeline to support SMEs around that as well. Gemma, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on my podcast and to talk about journalism, talking, talking about tech and authenticity 
and um, really be able to share share the message. So thank you so much. Um, I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you, Lou. It's been a pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have recording it. I look forward to have you listening in again for the next episode. And in the meantime, I'd love you to rate, review and download this episode. Thanks again for listening. 